0: Luke chapter 5, or verses 12 through 16, it's in page, it's in page on page, wow. Chris gave me something. On page, 860, in the Bibles and the Chairs, if you, if you don't have a copy of, a, of, of God's Word, that's our gift to you, I would encourage you to take it with you, uh, mark it up, make notes in it, make sure that uh, you're in it, and just drawing through it. Uh, yeah, there's also the version Live event, if you would like to follow along with the notes there, you're, you're absolutely welcome to do that. In our study of Luke last week, we came to chapter 5 and and we got to witness really this miraculous moment where Jesus, uh, by by his sovereign power, enabled uh, Peter and his partners to to have this amazing catch of fish, a a catch so large that it nearly drowned uh, or nearly sank the boats that they were in. Both boats were full of fish. Nets were breaking. This amazing moment where he called them into life, to, to follow him. There have been many people coming to Jesus. There were many people who were coming into proximity with Jesus and receiving blessing and, and good from Jesus, but in particular, he calls these men to, to follow him and, and they leave everything. They left their necks, they left their family, they left the fortune of fish that they could just caught, they left everything in order to follow Jesus. Now, I don't know what they expected. I don't know what they were thinking they were going to be a part of. I'm not certain that they knew everything that they were about to get themselves into. But I don't think they were disappointed. Today as we study Luke 5, you'll see that, that we're studying Jesus healing a leper. This, the, the astonishing work continues. I, I don't think they were disappointed. But in healing the leper, Jesus wasn't just showing them that he had Had power to just heal another sickness, like okay, well you can do the, you can you can make the blind people see, you can make deaf people hear. Okay, we we get that. Can can you take care of leprosy too? I don't think Jesus was just building out his resume of of what he could heal. I think the truth is is that in this moment, the the healing of this leper began to show them the breadth and depth of what he was calling them into, and, and truly what he had done for them. See, Jesus' work in the gospel, it's not simply about building a a list of followers or service to do his bidding, to come along behind him and and just see his list of abilities. Through the gospel, Jesus cleanses us so that we belong in his presence and with his family. I want to call out just a couple of key words there, so that we belong. We belong, that we are supposed to be there like we are we, we sit there that we have right to be there so apart from the world, apart from the gospel this world is a cold and cruel place I mean truly without Christ and his common grace on the world there would be absolutely no hope of, of connection there would be no hope of, 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 of having relationship or having opportunity to even catch glimpses of the world that he is Created and intending for His people, there there would be no opportunity for us to just even catch a catch a small picture, a small glimpse over the over the wall to, to see what God has for us. And we can build all, we, we we can build all kinds of of of, of uh, opportunity. But no matter how we structure our social life, no matter how we structure our social networks, and even using platforms like social media, no matter how connected we become, the truth is in this world. What we're finding, what's being proved out, is that we are becoming more and more isolated. Becoming more and more alone. But intrinsic in each and every one of us is a desire to belong. A desire to be wanted. A desire to be accepted such a serious problem today that there's a number of studies that are being done, not, not by church folks, just people in the world, science, scientists, sociologists, social scientists and psychologists and people at universities are doing all these studies. They've even come up with a big scientific word to describe this intrinsic desire. Belongingness. Right? you? Belongingness. It simply means that it's a human emotional need to be accepted to be an accepted member of a group. Belonging is a strong, inevitable feeling that exists in human nature. So we've come up with this term because we're recognizing how desperately we long for belongingness. We all have this desire for belongingness. Now, some of the studies I, I told you about, there are a couple of different reports from CNN make reference to studies and the work of professors from UCLA and Stanford. Greg Walton, who is from Stanford, writes this in his study. Belonging is a psychological lever that has broad consequences, a psychological lever that has broad consequences. Our interests, motivation, health, and happiness are inextricably tied to the feeling that we belong to a greater community that may share common interests and aspirations. Quite simply stated, we all want to belong to something bigger than ourselves that has purpose and meaning. There's not a person who has ever existed, who ever will exist, that didn't have this long... This is what they're finding. This is is what sociology or, or social scientists and psychologists are finding over and over. Naomi Eisenberger from UCLA found that the feelings of loneliness triggered activity in some of the same regions... Of the brain that register physical pain, so your brain receiving loneliness is something that's harmful and hurtful to you. Now, because of her presuppositions of evolution and things like that, she she ties that back to a to a uh, to a time when tribes were absolutely imperative for survival. If you're on the fringes of a tribe, you're at more risk. And you needed to belong, that you had to be a part of a village. And so, so even even in some of our modern day, you know, I think there's a book called It Takes a Village. And, and the premise of the book, I think, I haven't read it, so I probably shouldn't speak too heavily about it. But based on the title, I'm going to judge this book by its cover, the, we need one another. Right? I mean, probably that's the premise of the book, that, that we need one another, we're dependent upon one another, that we're meant to live together, living and enjoying one another's strengths and one another's weaknesses and finding finding place and purpose and meaning in existence together. And, and I think the idea, the premise is exactly right. The problem is that this world is absolutely broken, and so we don't just need a village, we need a Christian village, we need a village that's inspired and empowered and, 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 and brought together in the gospel. Because regardless of how connected we seem to be getting, regardless of how close we seem to be coming, we're actually isolated even further. such that, according to an according to article out of, of Britain, out of Great Britain, I can't remember the name of the guy that wrote it, but he was referencing some studies out of the United States and the Great Britain, you're actually likely more you're, you're actually more likely to die from loneliness than obesity. Now, if you're skinny, you're like, well, I ain't going to die from obesity anyway. Well, I'm classified as obese, so I'm more likely to die from being lonely than being obese. That's pretty big. In an article from Time that ran just last year in 2015 from Brigham of Young University, the study points out that loneliness might might be the next big public health issue. The report goes on to make a distinction between perceived or subjective loneliness and and real isolation. Like like some people are lonely in the midst of a crowd because they're not connected in the crowd. Some people are truly isolated and lonely. Like they're truly alone in the world. But both show but, but but the studies show that both are absolutely devastating. See, the thing is we all long to belong. We all desire belongingness. But nothing satisfies our desire to belong, except actually belonging. My fear for the people that live desiring this, my, my fear is that they will never find out how to belong. It was bringing it down to a personal level. I mean, there's plenty of scientific studies, but the problem is just guessing. There's people in this room right now know what this feels like. That I didn't have to quote social studies and psychologists' reviews and for you to know that we desire well, alone. Story from my own life, there was a point in my life that I was a believer, I was a Christian, and I had gotten so angry with the Lord. I had gotten so bitter and angry with him that I basically did everything I could to run from him and basically tried to do everything I could to to outrun him, I guess is a better way to say it. I even asked him at one point, I hate to admit this out loud, I even asked him at one point to leave me alone. I'm grateful he didn't. But he let me know what it might feel like to be left alone. Was in the pit of despair. If, if, if my life could, if I could have fallen farther into this spiraling, pit, it, I just was out of control. If I could have fallen any further, if I wasn't at rock bottom, it scares me to death to think of what that might have been. How far could I have gone? <clears throat> There was really, literally days that I would wake up, days in a row that I would wake up and nobody was there for me to talk to. I'd go to bed in the evening not having said one word to anyone or hearing one word from him. He let me know what it felt like. I didn't mean See, the reality is, is that as we started this church and begun the work of this church, one of the emphasis, one of the things that we emphasize. Repeatedly In everything we do, in all the ways that we strive to do our work, we emphasize the reality that we are not just reconciled to God through the gospel, that we are also reconciled to one another, that God has, has, has destroyed the dividing wall, that God has unified us together as one authentic family for His glory and our good. But still today, I still hear regularly, As hard as we work at this, as hard as we try to provide opportunity for people to connect, for people to belong, no matter how hard we try, I'm here regularly. I feel disconnected and I feel alone. Nothing will satisfy our desire to belong except actually belonging. And I think I think there's no one that knows this better than this leper who approached Jesus. Let's read Luke chapter 5 verse 12 through verse 16. While he was in one of the cities, this is Jesus. Remember, he is going around from town to town preaching the gospel, proclaiming good news to the poor, the blind, the oppressed. And there's a spiritual uh, indicators, not just physical, although there was physical, but there's spiritual indicators. While he was in one of the cities preaching the gospel to these outcasts, to these people in the fringes, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but, but, but go. Let me just say something here. I'm not going to deal with this in the, in the midst of the text. This, this verse at the beginning of verse 14, and he charged him to tell no one. There's a lot of speculation about what that's about. There's a lot of opinions about why he was motivated to say that. I even, I even heard one between services, that, between the first and second service that I hadn't heard yet. That it's a fulfillment of prophecy out of Isaiah 42. I, I don't know. I'm going to go and study that. But it says, and he charged him to tell no one. And everybody has all of these reasons why he did that. But here's the reality. We don't actually know why he said to do that. We don't know what his logic was. We know the result. We know what happened as a result of, of this man going and telling everybody. It's kind of ironic, actually. This, this is my two cents. And this, so, so this isn't my sermon. Just It's ironic that this man, who he says, go tell no one, can't help but go and tell everyone. Yeah, he tells us, go make disciples. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just let you conclude your own conclusion. Ironic, to say the least. So Jesus says, and and he charged him to tell no one, and go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, but now even more, the report about him went abroad. So Jesus was already being talked about. Jesus was already, people were already talking about him, talking about all the things that he was doing. But now all the more, a report went out about him. And great crowds gathered to hear him, to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. The leprosy that this man had that approached Jesus on that day, the leprosy he had was likely different than what we would picture. So if you look this up on Google or, or Wikipedia or something like that, and you want to see what leprosy looks like, in all likelihood, this was a different disease. There was a different Greek word that would have been used to describe leprosy as we know it today. The the Greek word that, that is used to describe what this man had was scaliness, like like he had some extremely severely dry skin. It may have been it may have been a strain of the leprosy as we see it today. It may have been some some other type of Bacteria eating on this man's flesh and, 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 and causing him to uh, just you, you know flake away, to scale away. We, we we don't exactly know, but even in the Old Testament, if you go back to Leviticus 13 and 14, it gives very specific information about how a diagnosis of leprosy would be would be made and what priests would look for as they would make these diagnoses. And it, and the truth is 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 that even the symptoms that they would have looked for to say that this man had leprosy are different. I want you to know that not 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 because it's it's vital for us to understand what happened, but just to understand that that this man was covered with something that no one wanted. Leprosy, as we know it today, isn't nearly as as, as uh, uh, contagious as it was either once thought to be or um, or it was. It was I, I, I don't know the distinction, but this man had something that no one wanted. And, and not only did it come with, 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 with the symptoms of his leprosy, and we don't even really know what they were, we know that he was, he was scathing. Not only did it come with symptoms, probably covered from head to toe, this wasn't a beginning, case it wasn't like he had just gotten it a couple of days ago, and was beginning to show symptoms, Luke tells us that he was full of it. That's like a, a scientific term for he had it all over his body. They covered from head to toe, probably with sores and lesions. Just this, this, this—Who knows? Who knows how 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 forbidding just looking at him was. But not only did he deal with that, see, dealt with a a social consequence as well. Not just a social stigma. It wasn't like people that that guy's kind of that's weird. I don't want to be away. Not just a stigma. But there was real social consequence. You go back to Leviticus 13 uh, and 14, specifically verses third, chapter 13, verse 45 through 46. The verses will be on the screen. You don't need to flip there. Let me just share with you some of the social consequences, some of the legal consequences. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes. Let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. Well, I think he's trying to get a point across. Like this isn't just Moses coming up with this stuff. This was God who spoke to Moses. Who gave Moses these instructions that then Moses would turn and call the Israelites to live according to. This is God's word. And you're to treat this man as unclean. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the canyon. God took this pretty soon. The law commanded that this man, this leper, and all lepers were to wear their torn clothes as they were to be rent, to be torn, and they were to wear their hair down or unkept. It was a sign of mourning. So the morning you wake up and you're in mourning. you at the days. Day, the start of the day, we say it like that. The start of the day, you're in mourning. You're sad. And when you go to bed at night, you're, you're sad. You're mourning. You're, you're, you're walking around with your clothes torn, your hair undone, you just have to let life go. He was to wear a covering over his lip. And some people call, consider this to be a, a mustache. The Jews didn't have mustaches. They would grow beards because they didn't have mustaches. Some people considered this to be that a man would grow a mustache and cover his lips so that you couldn't see what was going on on his, as much of his face, but the others interpreted it to be a veil that would start at the top of his lip and cover the top of his lip down over the rest of his face. And they viewed it in this way because they thought that, that they, they perceived it as, as not just an, a, a sign of mourning, but so that he could protect, so that, so that people could be protected from his birth. See, this person wasn't just a person who was in mourning. This person was dangerous to the rest of his people. So you can imagine how people received him. In addition to, to these consequences, in addition to the symptoms of his leprosy, whatever form it came in, it was considered unclean. In fact, any time he was around people, he had to walk around unclean, 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 so that there was no opportunity, no chance that someone would actually bump into him. And if someone touched him, if someone even accidentally grazed against him, that person too became unclean. He was cut off. He wasn't welcomed in God's presence or among God's people. He didn't deserve to be there anymore. He was an outcast of outcasts. He was overlooked. He was the lowest of the low, low, low. And how long did this last? As long as he had the disease. But if he got over it, so some way got over it, then he could go. There was a process by which he would walk through it. And you hear Jesus respond and refer to that as he sends the leper To the priest, there's a process that he'd walk through. To the priest, would confirm his cleanliness. But quite likely, this was a death sentence. Because if loneliness is killing us today, loneliness is probably killing us too. The final instruction is that he would live alone outside the camp. According to some... Leper colonies were something that these lepers would belong But in the Jewish view, they weren't even allowed to come They were to be alone. They were to live outside the camp, cut off from friends, family. I mean, we don't know, we don't know much about this man's life. We don't know if he had a husband or, or a wife or children. I guess we know he didn't have a husband. We don't know if he had a wife or children. We 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 do know he had a mother and a father. And he likely had brothers and sisters. He was cut off. He may have had a wife. He may have had children. He was cut off. He couldn't walk into the temple and worship. He couldn't couldn't go near the teachers to learn from them Mm -hmm. and hear God's word. One rabbi would not eat an egg purchased in a street. This is a, I don't know, this is a report that comes out of, out of the rabbinical teaching of the day. One rabbi said that he would not eat an egg purchased in a street where there was someone with leprosy. If, if there was even a person on the street, he wouldn't eat it. Another rabbi would throw stones at lepers in order to keep them away from him so that they couldn't have an opportunity to get close. These people were alone. They were outcasts. They longed to belong, but they couldn't. They weren't allowed. They didn't even deserve it according to the law. They were supposed to be out. They were supposed to be away. They were supposed to be cut off. Quite literally, leprosy was considered a living death. And I know this sounds so I know this sounds very, very hard. But I want you to be in that place and I want you just to imagine what it was like that day. What was going on inside of this leper? He worked up the nerve to walk into this city to approach Jesus. I mean, imagine Jesus teaching the crowds. Surrounding him, they're coming to him in droves, craning over each other's shoulders, hoping to be the person in the front row, but everybody else is just left, just trying to crane over, look past one another, trying to get up on things to see him. Just hoping to hear what he was saying, hoping to hear the teaching that, that came authoritatively, hoping and longing to see him heal someone, hoping and longing to get close enough that he might touch them and heal them, a longing just to be near Jesus. Imagine this day and and here you are in the midst of this crowd, And all of a sudden from behind you you hear unclean, unclean, unclean. You and all that around you can spread like the Red Sea before our God. Because to touch him would have been to be treated like him. So that's what happens. And so the crowd begins to separate. The crowd begins to spread out, <laughs> looking. Some of them, maybe some of them, following the teaching of their rabbi and throwing stones. Get away from me. Stay away. I don't want you near me. Some of them already afraid that maybe they're going to catch what he has. Nobody's getting close enough to keep him from making it to Jesus, though. So. Even surrounded by a crowd. Belong. He wasn't wanted. We need to rid the gap here. Because not only does the Old Testament teach and, and treat leprosy as, as a living death, but the Old Testament treats leprosy as sin. As an analogy, let me say this differently treats leprosy as an analogy for sin. See, the reality is what leprosy had done to this man. Our sin has done to every last one of us. Every last one of the people that have ever been created, earth, out of the line of Adam, have been born with a spiritual leprosy, and we have been cast out. We do not belong We may long for it. We may desire it. It it may be intrinsic to our nature because it was designed into our our DNA. It's been written into the code of who we are. But we are spiritual others. Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah calls this out. We have all become like one who is unclean. We have all become like one who is a leper. And all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We have no opportunity, no chance, no way in which our lives now make a difference because we are unclean. We are we all fade like a leaf in our iniquities, our sins like the wind take us away. The thing is We didn't have to wait for UCLA and Stanford and Brigham Young University to finally get it in their heads that there's something about us that longs to belong. We didn't have to wait for them to come up with this idea that loneliness is destructive to us. Because intrinsically in each one of us is this desire for this. This desire to be a part of something bigger. To belong to something with purpose. And we can see it all all the way back in the very foundations of the world, when God was speaking things into creation and when God was forming man and put him on the earth and breathed life into him, God looked at the man and said it's not good for him to be alone. Even in the midst of perfection, in the midst of harmony, there was one need. And that was that the man have a partner. That the man have someone to stand beside him. You see, we were created. Brothers and sisters, we were created for a relationship with God, a vertical relationship that connects us to the heavens, that connects us to the Creator. But even in the garden, even as that was established, we we couldn't do that by ourselves. Adam was not good until he had Eve to stand by him. Adam did not know what he needed until God placed Eve beside him. We were designed for a dependency on God and one another. We were designed with a need to be there for one another and to receive from one another. We were designed to live this way for the glory of God and the good of one another. And until we have one another before God, we will all be long to belong. You see, this starts in Genesis 2. You know, God says it's not good for the man be alone, and then you see as he brings Eve into, into the picture, he creates Eve out of Adam's rib, forms Eve out of Adam's rib, and he brings her to the man, and they, they are unified in front of God. And chapter two ends with they were naked and unashamed. I told you I refer to this a lot because it's a, it's a foundational moment for us. I'm like one of the craziest verses in the Bible, when I was growing up, I was like, what in the world? Is that about? I mean it doesn't it didn't make sense, right? Why does that mean being in there? Because it paints a picture for us. There was no division between this man and woman. There was no separation. There was openness and honesty. There was no reason to hide. Before God, they were one. And we see that pictured again in marriage in the New Testament. But the reality is, is that had we never fallen into sin, that would have been expressed through our children and children's children. So that now today, had we not fallen, this likely would have been the unity and the oneness that we were able to enjoy. But Genesis 2 is not where the story ends, is it? You see, the reality is that the picture... Keeps getting painted and sick, enters the garden, tempts to She eats the fruit, gives it to Adam, he eats it also. And you know the very first relationship we see a consequence of? It? The first consequence we see of them eating the fruit was that they saw one another as naked and they were ashamed. So they could close out of leaves. They covered up. They began hiding from one another. And then they hear God in the garden. They're reminded, oh my gosh, it's not just us, it's God. What are we going to do they hide I always pictured this behind a, a bigger leaf, like you know. So they're behind the even bigger leaf, like they took some and covered themselves up, and then they get a bigger leaf. So they can. I got it. It didn't work. From that point till now, we are still hiding. We create images of ourselves that we paste on ourselves like leaves, so that people see what we want them to see. And even if we're a person that says, "Well, I'm open about everything," everybody, you're telling me you don't have any secrets don't have any shame? If you dare tell me that, I'll call you a liar. (laughs) Because with sin comes shame. So if you're telling me you have no shame and you're telling me you have no sin, you're lying to yourself. And we're not only hiding from one another, we are still hiding from God. Every one of us. Still hiding from God. A desire to belong and looking to all the wrong places to find that. to belong to belong. No different than this leprous man that walked into the village and felt flat on his face in front of Jesus. Nothing satisfies our desire to belong except actually belonging that is only accomplished in the gospel. You hear me? The work that you have to do, the things that you can accomplish, the, the ways that you your, your ability can offer you nothing in this place. Social platforms useless in this place. The way that we find a place to belong is through the gospel. And we see Jesus working out in this man's life and in the same way he made this man belong he makes us belong. Through the gospel, Jesus makes the unclean clean. And he makes the unclean clean. And there's this moment, this man comes to Jesus and he's the desperate. He knows he doesn't belong there. He's humbly pro- approaching here. He falls on his face. Faithfully speaking to Jesus, look, I know you can do this, but I, if you will, just please make me clean. And Jesus is Jesus does it. And the text says immediately he was made clean. Immediately. It wasn't like a process. Like you began to see the, the cleanness like, climb up his arm or, or go across his face. Like the, the reality is you blink and then one moment when you blink, just before you blinked, he was covered with leprosy. the next moment you open your eyes, like that, and the man's clean. And everybody's astonished. Everybody's blown away by it so much as this leprous man, Jesus makes the unclean clean. And this is a vital step for you and me. Because the reality is if God had not done this work through Jesus, not just for this man, but for us, there would never be a moment in which we belong. There wouldn't be an opportunity to belong. We would only ever have been unclean. Vital first step is to be made clean. But but, but not just that. Not, not, not just that he made the unclean clean. I love this next thing. I've been so waiting. I've been, I've been so excited to, to show you this. maybe you see Since I started studying this about three weeks ago. I've been looking forward to this moment. To see through the gospel. Jesus brings us into intimate relationship to himself. And his father. Just consider this for a second. This man came into the city, came into this village. We don't know how big it was. We don't know how many people are gathered, but we know people are around Jesus. They're wanting to hear from Jesus. They're wanting to be healed by Jesus. And every one of them are doing everything they can to get away from this man. When he bows before Jesus, Jesus does the unthinkable. Not only were they shocked when Jesus healed the man, but they were shocked when he reached out and enticed to See, God didn't heal us to make us distant from Him. He didn't cleanse of, of, of our sins so that we could stay away from Him or so that we should be sent out of His presence. He cleansed us. He made us clean so that He could touch us, so that He could be intimately involved in our lives, so that we could be close to Him, so that we could sense and feel, tangibly experience His presence. He longs for you to know that He loves you and He's powerfully acting on your behalf. He longs for you to, 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 to live in the presence of His spirit. He touches you. The God who created the heavens and the earth has reached out and laid his hand on you just like this leper. And the beauty is is that Jesus didn't become unclean. Everybody else that would have touched this man, everyone else would have been cast out with this man. But Jesus, Jesus is so powerful. He's so pure and so perfect that when he reaches out, and touches the man he says, I have power and it is my will. You be clean. The man had no choice. The disease had no choice but to submit and be clean. That's your hope. That's our hope. That God didn't stay distant from us, but he stepped into our existence and put his hand on us. Brothers and sisters, this is the beauty of God's. But through it, he doesn't look at you and think, oh man, we should figure it out. He says, be clean. He touches you with his hand. He fills you with his spirit. He makes you to his family that you might worship him together with them. See, through the gospel, through the gospel, Jesus enables us to worship God again. This man had been cut off, he had been sent away. He'd He wasn't allowed near the temple. He wasn't allowed in the synagogues. He wasn't probably allowed close enough to hear the rabbis teach the word. But Jesus sends him to follow a process. Not a process that would cleanse him, but a process that would prove his cleansing. And a process that was a result of his cleansing. So Jesus sends him to the priests. He says, walk through this. Go obey me. Join again with God's people. Be clean and go and be with them that you might worship God together with them. And so he went. And then in the process, you can read about Leviticus 14. The process was was these two birds would, would get killed. or I'm sorry, one bird would get killed. There would be two birds. One bird would get killed over a clean bowl of water. It was a symbol of the Spirit of God. One, one bird would be killed and its blood would be, would be poured over the other bird, and then that bird would be released. It's a picture of our sin being carried away from us. And the blood of the other bird, the blood of the dead bird, then the, the, the remainder, or at least some of it, would be put on the person's ear, and they'd be anointed with blood to demonstrate the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. They were united into God's family, and they were made able by His atoning sacrifice to worship God. Not only that, not only that, you see, in, in this process through the gospel, Jesus makes our obedience possible and fruitful. This guy could have followed this process a hundred times. He could have done all of these things. To He could have lived the law perfectly. He could have done everything he was supposed to do. He could have Followed this process of cleansing, this ritual of cleansing over and over every day. He could have showed up at the temple asking the priest to do this for him, and it wouldn't have mattered. Obedience didn't matter. His obedience to the law didn't matter until he had been cleansed by Christ. You see, as believers, as Christians, we often are ready to tell people how they should live, rather than come to go find the Jesus that makes them live. Brothers and sisters, the only reason we obey is because we've been saved. Because we've been made clean. Because God has reached out and put his hand on us. That's when obedience is purposeful. That's when it's fruitful. That's when it's possible. Apart from coming to Jesus to be made clean. <laughs> well, it's our own law. It's our own way there. It's a rejection of what he says. Them, and it's still disobedience through the gospel Jesus cleanses us so that we belong in his presence with his name, we belong because of Jesus death burial and resurrection on our behalf in our place for our sin but let me just say this quickly More than just a cure for loneliness and isolation, the gospel called Jesus' call to be clean, the call from death to life. But now, having been made clean, we can truly live. Live before Him as a unified family. So please, please get up and walk in obedience together for the glory of God and the good of His people and the advancement of the gospel so that all the more people might be flocking into Jesus to see themselves cleansed. if you long for this if you have that desire in you and this speaks to you let me just just give you three quick ways that you can step into it I want to encourage you to follow them path of this leper. Approach Jesus. Approach him. He's your only help. Throw off all social constraints, all social concern, all expectations that the world places on you, and you approach Jesus. He has come to you. He has come to us that we might go to him. So approach Jesus. Approach Jesus humbly and faithfully don't go demanding don't go with a sense of with a sense of, uh, of, of entitlement we don't even deserve to be before him, we don't even deserve to lay eyes on him we, we, we fall on our face before him we speak to him faithfully of what we know he can do of what we know he is capable of not asking if he can but asking if he will when you speak, you speak with this humble and faithful heart. I know you can hear me. But will really, And I am confident. I'm confident that He draws us to this place. He leads us to this place. Because it is His will. To reach out, put His hand on make us clean. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ before, if you have never trusted him for life, you approach Jesus faithfully and humbly and plead for him to make you clean. And then you believe and you get up and walk just like this one. If you have been a chasing after to fill and satisfy that void relationship that only God and His people can satisfy. How are you hiding from others? How are you living in this secret shame? Approach Jesus. Let your, let your uncleanness be known so that He can cleanse you. You Approach Him faithfully and humbly. We never Brothers and sisters, we never get past the point that we are dependent upon the cross. We need his death, burial, and resurrection today just as much as we did the moment we first came to realize we were sinners. You approach him faithfully, humbly, and, 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 and ask him, please, if you will, if you may, You keep doing what we've always been doing, trusting, trusting his power. Usually to do that.